Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Experts Podcast. Unfortunately, the great Carmen Braidwood and I are not sitting in the studio together. This time we are back on our online platform. But you know what, Carms, we will fight through this because this is important. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And just off the back of last week's one with uh, Emily Morgan on how to write long form, how to write good writing, we've had so much correspondence mm. from people. In fact, it's the most correspondence we've had, Carmen. There is seven, seven letters, seven letters and emails in our inbox telling us how good that was. How good's that? I'm so proud of the Experts podcast. That's a tremendous result. That's social proof that people hear what we share in terms with of our expertise and other people's expertise like Emily's. Uh, and, and this topic of writing an op-ed, right, you know, to hear that in a podcast and then go, right, I'm going to go take action using the advice that I heard in that podcast and then to hear that some of those people actually got a result. Talk to me about the, the legit social proof. Oh, look, the, the great one, and it's a friend of mine, and, and uh, Tamara Cook. So Tamara Cook's uh, an mm. avid listener of the Expert Co- Podcast, has been on it for herself, but she listens in every mm-hmm. week. And, you know, we've got a referendum that's going to be take place tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, you're going to vote yes or you're going to vote no. I, I think a lot of us are tired of it and the hearing about it. And um, I've, I've spoken quite publicly, Calms. I'm, I'm a yes voter and, uh, and proud. But... It was such a personal touch and she was inspired by the podcast to put down in writing the the very feelings that she was having. Uh, it was a beautiful story about the birth of her son 15 years ago. Um, Tamara is uh, of African and also to English descent, but her husband is well-known footballer, uh, First Nations Troy Cook. And... The mm. story that she told in Women's Agenda, I, I think I'll, I'll have it, the link there with the, the, the piece, is just beautiful. So well done, Tamara, and well done to everyone that did listen well to the, the podcast because um, they have been inspired, and that 600-word opinion editorial piece that uh, Emily so beautifully put and, and, and gave us the tools and the hints on how to do it, go back and have a listen to last week's one. It is just critical if you missed it. But it's inspired us here, Calms. It's inspired me. Yeah. To actually interview you, because we just talked about well, the continuing the, the theme, per- are we? Yeah, we are because the written piece is one thing, but you're a professional on the TV, the broadcasting piece, and I just recently did a, a piece to camera on Flashpoint Channel Seven, and I had a few issues, and I've been doing this for a long time, and I want to work with you on yeah. a few things because I think a lot of people have experienced this when TV is just one of those most confronting forms of media. It's a nerve-wracking media, and it's one we've got to get past. 
Yeah, Nick, one of the reasons I started coaching individuals on this is because one of my first live-to-air television experiences happened when I'd already been broadcasting on Radio Live for 16 years. And I still, when confronted with that camera, completely forgot everything I'd planned that I wanted to say. I was unable to edit what I needed to say on the fly when the timing changed. And there was even a moment when the director spoke to me in my ear that I said something along the lines of, I mean, that's what can happen to a 16-year veteran broadcaster and veteran use loosely, but I mean, that's a long time to be live on air. I've been doing a huge amount of stage, on-stage speaking by then. I was a professional MC. I had all of the live you know, knowledge and, and, and experience that you might want, similar to a lot of executives and experts that we have coming through this podcast who then, when you get put on the spot with a camera in front of you, there's just something unique about that thing. And I believe it's even scarier than the world's biggest fear, which is supposed to be public speaking. Speaking to camera is a unique kind of fear. Because you're on record, aren't you? You're on record and you are mm. also too conscious about not just what you're saying, but how you look and your body language that goes with it as well. Because a lot of us, there's a lot of tells that people, you can tell that, oh, I don't think they're quite telling us the truth. They might do a bit of nose rubbing, yeah. you know, look a different way, look down, look up and all that kind of thing. And you've got a kind of feeling uh, this wasn't, this isn't quite the, the real deal. And I know that people think about this when they've got a camera in front of them, they've got a microphone in front of them, that they just want to be the best they possibly can be, but they don't necessarily have the toolkit or the set of skills to really deliver the mm. best they possibly can. And, and look, I'll give you just one little thing just as first to kick us off to deal with this because mm. I think everyone that will be listening, they'll have, they'll have their fears, they'll have their problems, and let's see if we can address a few of them. You know, Carms, yeah. I, I, I weigh in at around 115 kilos. I'm not a small fella. <laughs> um, but every time mm. I sit into a couch or anything along those lines, I feel like I'm mm. a beached whale sitting in front of a camera. Yeah. And every time the camera's on me, it looks like it's added another 20 kilos to me. Now, is there a stance? <laughs> is there a position? Or should I just try to avoid sitting back into a couch? Honestly, producers who decide that a couch on a TV set is a good-looking thing need to be taken out the back just quietly. All right, Flashpoint, That's you're on notice. That's not a good way to do a TV set. <laughs> yeah, Flashpoint, come on. Get with the program. I know we're trying to create a casual vibe, but there's not many people sitting in executive clothing who look good when they're slumped into a couch, right? So if you are in that position where you are confronted with a couch, you do need to find a way to sit forward on the couch rather than slipping straight back in. Because yeah, that's when everything... Now, there's a vanity reason, obviously, for this, but there's also a performance reason to avoid that, right? Because as soon as we compress the really important breathing uh, parts of our body, all our organs are going to get compressed the minute we compact ourselves and concave over our midsection like that. You're going to give your diaphragm no chance to support your voice. And when you are nervous, if you stop breathing while you're already getting that nervous short breathness anyway, you are really going to struggle to answer the questions on one breath. 
And that's not a good look either, right? So cushions, cushions are your best friend with a TV set that includes a a couch. And I've done this plenty of times of Destination WA because we're often not on set. We're out on, you know, various locations. And I'll just grab, yeah, like a cushion and make sure it's behind me and my guest to get them at their most comfortable. We definitely don't want our guests looking uh, squashed up on a couch. Yeah, it's 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 a toughie because uh, it's not just the look. And I, I hear you. My performance, by the way, was excellent, so it didn't hinder my performance. No, I, I bet it was um, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but when I look if back I watched at it, it, I'll go, no. <laughs> well, when I look back on it, I just look and I just go, "Jeepers, mate! You 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 could have done a bit of an effort, or you know, fasted for about seven days to ten days." But no. it does put it does add kilos to you, and and I guess that is the vanity thing. But it's also not the perception that I have mm. of myself. So I always feel like it's it's let let me down a bit there, but also too, um, it's just not that natural to actually be sort of sort of leaning back into a couch where, you know, the the cameras don't get you that full. They've got a particular I guess angle that they've got on you that yeah. probably isn't the most uh, flattering of angles. No, it's true. And you can try, look, I always advise my clients, please don't be hyper aware of trying to modify how you look in terms of your appearance once you're on set. Because at the end of the day, you know, you should be focusing on answering the questions and being in the moment. However, you do, you can, if you angle your body to be, you know, uh, 45 degrees from the camera and then turn your head, you are going to improve your appearance because your body is almost side on to the camera. So it just depends. I mean, in that studio setting where you've got a couch or even if you're on a news desk like I was the other week with the Today Show, you could you could angle your body so that it is – you do the cheat where you're cheating the fact that you're looking into the, the interviewer, yeah? So if you're right. speaking to the interviewer, right, so if you and Tim McMillan were sitting side by side on a couch, you would actually turn your bodies right around and look at each other or he'd gotcha. be on another seat. But on TV, you have to do that pretend kind of shoulders at 45 degrees to one another and you're both looking out so you're creating an open fourth wall that you're inviting the viewer in through, right? So it's a bit unnatural, but you do. You turn your body on this angle and then in the case that you would look at the camera, which is not often considering you're being interviewed as the guest in that environment, but if you did look at the camera, then you're going to be turning... Uh, around to the front, which improves the kind of aesthetic. Like it's a bit of old camera trickery that you could yeah. employ, but it's getting complex when you do things like that. I, I get it now. I get it now because all of Tim's are, are pretty much full front on and I'm always yeah. on an angle or at, on, a, on a level that maybe does emphasise my size. But, again, it is a vanity thing. Oh, it's a small thing. My problem's a double chin in that sense. Yeah. Right. Okay, I've got you. When, and, and I think when, the ladies when, too. Uh, see, I look good front on, yeah, not sideways. Yeah. Right. Have you seen that? So your profile view is it's not the thing. greatest, but the front on. Got it. Okay. Well, we're going to work on that. I like to be crossing from a studio personally. Yeah. Well, let's go straight <laughs> to that. Don't go fasting cross- for weeks beforehand. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to because it's still – it was one of the things I always said that when if I was ever going to do TV, I needed to be another 10 kilos lighter. I just gave up. Mm. But it also proves to those that are listening, you don't have to be a beauty queen to be on TV. Uh, it's no. more about what you've got to say than how you look when you're saying it. Let's go to that cross, though, because I think that cross is a very important one. So when we talk about a cross, we're talking about cross to studio or studio to studio where it is very much front on and 
they generally don't put you on a couch. They put you on a stool. You're in a little room. Yeah. Um, the toss box, they call it. I'm not sure why they call it the toss box. Maybe you can tell us there, Carms. But what's okay. the situation there? Because that can be very nerve-wracking because you don't actually have really human contact. You're actually doing it from a screen to a screen. How does the process, what's some of the tips we can work with there? Yeah, well, I do prefer this scenario for myself and I, I will argue it's better for newer experts on TV to go with this option, the studio to studio cross. So you're in a smaller studio, often on the set of a TV station, right? So you might either be crossing to the same studios, as in you're in a small studio and you cross to the same location down to the the Perth major new studio underneath you, or you'll be crossing over to an East Coast studio, something like that. Now, the best thing about it is, yeah, you're standing, you're sitting on a stool. So already this is better for performance. Your body is upright and you look better. So people like you and me who haven't got great side profiles, right? You know, we can kind of benefit from that. It's helpful being able to look directly into the camera. And if you've done any speaking to camera in Zoom calls, right? It's ideal if you're presenting during a Zoom call to look into the lens. And that's what you need to do when you're in that studio environment you don't look into the eyes of the fold back or the, the that fold back screen that you've got below you that's what I'd call it in an audio environment is that what it's called on tv when it you see the preview right. screen you see what's going to air but if you look yeah. down at the presenter we're going to see your eyes looking down very very quickly very very obviously and it's definitely not what you want so this is one of those times when you must drill your eyes into the lens of the camera if you look at the arrangement in front of you it's a little bit complicated ask someone if you're not sure if you can find the camera just ask there will always be an engineer or a producer whose job it is to set you up in that studio so do ask the question there are no silly questions yeah that's great advice you need to know about that environment yeah it's great advice comes because i think that the the kind of thing that you've got always got support they actually want you to look fantastic for Mm. tv they want the best from you yeah. and you will have it in your ear. The producer will say to you, uh, Nick, can you hear us? Yes, good. Uh, we're going We're going live in 30 seconds, etc." And they might say, look, can you just drop your seat down a little bit? Can you raise it? Whatever that mm. might be. Or they'll raise and lower the camera f- for you. But they'll help you. And if you do, if you've, if you've got a, a, a bit of an issue with where your eye line sight goes, um, ask them, which, which, which screen should I be looking at? Um, one that I do yeah. with Sky News a little bit back in the day is that um, we, we, if there's two in the same studio, you're looking down the barrel of a camera without anything. And you're going to have an earpiece in your ear and that is going to be your most powerful mm. tool for you. And I'd, I'd love to hear yeah. your thoughts on this there, Carms, because I think, you know, I still say to this day, anything in media and media training is that it is critical, your most important sense in, in any interview, in anything that you're doing on radio or television is your ears, you, the ability to listen. Yeah. Was it Andrea Burns from ECU Broadcasting who said something along the lines and the educators in this space say it a lot, you have two ears, one mouth. It's a great one for your kids too. But great rule for <laughs> life, right? Just try and listen a little more than you talk. And TV is definitely a great environment where you can practice that skill. So is recording a podcast when you're in Perth and your co-host is in Adelaide like we're doing right now. If you 
ask a question, for instance, and then follow it up with a bunch of justifying. If you are the one who's interviewing, this can be a real problem. It leads to a thing called talk over. Same as if you're the guest. If you're the guest and you answer a question and you make it sound like you've finished answering the question, you leave a big pause and then you launch into speaking again, it's going to lead to awkward talk over. So generally, when you're doing a TV cross, you are expected to give pretty short answers. TV segments are no more than sort of, you know, three, four, five minutes long at the most. And if it's just you, probably less. So you can afford to give 30 second answers and then shut the hell up. Yeah. And great, great one. Because I think the other side to it too, is that sometimes you can also speak too short. So you've got to read the body language mm. of the actual presenter to see whether, you know, this should be either shortened up or uh, or, or actually uh, made longer. And, and I think that might actually be a supplementary question that might come in because generally, you know, mm. we're doing, let's just talk about the four o'clock uh, cross for Perth Live News is that you generally get most of the questions that are going to be asked of you, but it's no guarantee that they're going to be asked in that particular order. Uh, again, Mm-mm. use your ears. Use your ears because that, that question that you're being asked could come from all from any direction and it could go and lead down a pathway that you just don't know. And that, and a good presenter will carry on from that, will we'll use that um, uh, content or message that you've just put out to uh, add another question or to dive a little deeper. Yeah, definitely. That's something you need to be ready for. Great presenters are listening as much as you should be and they want to hear something that you say during your answer that they can use to to probe, you know, go a little deeper, ask a bit more. And and if you give if you give short answers to start with, that it leaves it open, right? The presenter can choose to either go further if they know they've got time or they can make the decision to move on. The other thing I want you to remember to do when you do get questions ahead of time when you do your prep say the stuff out loud don't worry about writing anything because you're in a hurry and you need to have practice saying that thing at least once before you try and say it on air the out loud rehearsal gives you the chance to say I'm trying to say too many big words here let's see if we can reduce the language use simplified language let's use concise language let's use human words not academic words not industry jargon what you will find those things that you're going to potentially trip yourself up on as well you know, some words are just hard to say. I used to work with a guy who just couldn't say statistics and I agreed with him that it was just far easier on TV and radio to say stats because we know what you mean and it's a lot easier to get out of your mouth. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I know I've spoken to about this in the past. I, I, I feel for the sports broadcasters that have to name the international tennis players oh, yeah. because some of those names are just through the roof. And, you know, um, uh it, it is a challenge. It's definitely a challenge. And I think you, what you're, you're getting to there also, Carms, is that when you speak out loud, that muscle memory that has that kicks in when you are doing your interview, it just helps you be more confident and helps you uh, get past those little milestone moments during the interview so that you know I've hit some messages, I've got it out, and I haven't stumbled across that word that uh, I might have struggled with. It just tends to flow a little easier. 
Yeah, you feel buoyed by the preparatory work that you've done. I definitely don't recommend uh, planning to use preparatory in your answers on TV and radio. That's a difficult one to get out of your mouth. You do. You feel really kind of confident by the fact that you've done the work, right? You've gotten your mouth moving. You've gotten your face to a point where it can be a little bit more than than just dead behind the eyes. You know, we do need a little bit above energised. You need that bit of something, something that brings you through the screen. Television is definitely about bringing an X factor to the screen, right? So when you do that warm-up, it actually helps you with your content, but it also helps you with the physicality and the energy that you bring to your answers as well. And it gets you out of that academic headspace and thinking about what all the other people in your industry might think about what you're about to say. And instead, you're in a place of, hey, let's have a conversation human to human that the target audience humans of this radio or television show are really going to enjoy at the same time. You gave me a beautiful segue there to go to one of the next challenges I think that most people have in front of a camera uh, is about the energy, is about bringing to life the storytelling to, to really demonstrate not only your expertise, your knowledge, but also to, in some cases, show empathy to or to show excitement to. Yeah. And it's something that I think politicians fail at, at abysmally uh, that's why they're, they're such poor performers in front of the camera. How and when do we bring the energy to an interview? How and when do we bring empathy? How and when? When is the right time? Is it something that you've got to premeditate or is it something that you've got to hmm. be in that moment? Yeah, you really need to think strategically, I believe, before you go on air about the greater context of the story that you're there to comment on. So one of the one of the TV crosses I recall doing on one of my first live crosses back to Channel 9 recently um, was about robo-debt, which of course is a terribly distressing mm. story for the families mm. involved, right? This is the sort of thing that, that had catastrophic, tragic consequences on the families involved and it, it was the first story that we spoke about on camera. So we've come straight off of, hi Carmen, welcome on, hello other person, welcome on and then we've got to have that really quick tone change. You've got to avoid mm. perceived tone deafness if you come on and, and you're all like still, hey, it's Saturday morning and we're up and about and let's do this great segment on TV that reflects uh, the lifestyle that Australians have on a Saturday morning, popping out to the markets or doing the grocery shopping, getting a lotto ticket. Yeah, sure, we've got that attitude to the day, but we're also speaking about a very sombre issue at the start. Sure. And you're right, sometimes politicians miss the mark here, but the ones who get it right, that they do well and that's because our audience member loves to loves to love a person who does a good job in these these circumstances think about anyone who's cried when they've won a sporting event Roger Federer cries every single time he won a, a grand slam and it really endeared him to his audience um, we yeah. saw Anna Bly cry during uh, the floods in Queensland you know when you can show the right amount of emotion for the right occasion and and be in a position where you don't appear tone deaf then yeah it can really win people over however if you bung it on if you try and fake it in the least your audience has never had more keen bs filter and they will spot it so you've got to you've got to walk a kind of tight line between between overdoing it and and not appearing sincere it's it's not easy to get right but if you can 
do your best to empathise. Look at all angles from uh, the topic that you're being asked to discuss and, and think, okay, how would, how would I like to talk about this to my own family if it were affecting them and try and use that approach instead of maybe what you think a TV interviewee needs to look and sound like? Yeah, I, I love that, Carms. Again, it's it's just be authentic, be yourself, be real. Uh, and also to read the room, read the room, read the state mm. of play, what is going on, you know, how are people feeling about this particular topic? And but give you your real uh, authentic opinion and position around it. Don't try to give something that uh, is someone else's or what you think that the audience wants to hear because at the end of the day, yeah. that that won't run. It won't ride because you you said it, Calms. They've got a they've got a better BS filter going on these days than they have ever had. And uh, while they do want to love you, they will they will they will spot a phony big big time. So uh, great mm. advice there. Hey, the next big one. This is on my list. It's a big one because it's definitely the mm-hmm. nerds. The nerds kick in and uh, the adrenaline's pumping. All of a sudden, and I've done this many, many times, and I think I've even done it once with you, Carms. I've got in front of the camera <laughs> and I think I've turned to you and said, what's the first question? I've forgotten. I've got nervous. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. In fact, where am I? Um, mm. The nerves kick in. They're natural. It's natural to be nervous. Um, what's some tips and advice you can give us to, to maybe keep those a little calm? Yeah, well, first of all, a really great reframe is to remember that your nerves are a wonderful sign that you care about what you're about to do. So high five yourself because you're in a position where you still give a stuff about what you're doing. And there are a lot of people who go to work every single day and do not experience that anymore. So what a good thing if you're in a point in your career where you're doing something that's that little bit stretchy that you you give a a stuff about. I think that's wonderful. Now, the other thing uh, that is a good reframe, and I got this from a hypnotist by the name of Matt Hale, who I've worked with a lot (laughs) over the years. Uh, Matt's a comedy hypnotist, but also a therapeutic hypnotist right and our our nerves that all of the physiology is exactly the same as excitement so it's also just a sign that you're feeling excited yeah so we can kind of start to think about it as okay this is this is excitement I can use that bit of nervous energy to fuel me give me a bit of um bit of extra adrenaline bit of extra energy that I can use to bring that energized status to the screen so that's a good thing now the other thing starts much before the nerves kick in it's anticipating that you will get nervous it is inevitable most of us get nervous when we do these things yeah so knowing that that's going to happen we need to put ourselves in a situation where we've practiced performing under that kind of pressure so that you can get comfortable being uncomfortable and then rely on that muscle memory we mentioned earlier that takes you to those prepped messaging points, the things that you know you want to say while you're on that interview. So get someone to put you under that pressure. It doesn't take much these days. You can you can set up your iPhone on a tripod and you can ask someone to record you and ask a few questions and you attempt answering yep. them into the lens of the camera. It should really replicate how you're going to feel on the day. It's just giving you that bit of practice of speaking about it under pressure. I think that's a really important thing to do. And it just means that you can trust that your expert knowledge got you through even when you're a bit under the pump. You can practice putting lights on yourself. TV studios are full of lights and it does make you hot. 
So uh, you can just anticipate how you're going to feel and, and even dress accordingly, right? If you, yes. I don't know, even in the middle of winter, sometimes you can't go in the full heavy overcoat and all those, well, I'm thinking more like business suits. If you can wear your lighter one, right? Sweating on screen, you will sweat more. You will definitely sweat more when you're nervous. So you can anticipate that. What can you do? What can you wear that's just lighter weight underneath that jacket that's not going to leave you feeling like the heart rate's getting up high, you're also sweating up a storm, you're slick in the face, all of those things are going to make you worry more. Hydration, also really important. As soon as you start yeah, talking. No, no, no coffee or alcohol. Air. No, that's right. Coffee, alcohol just drives you out. And yeah, coffee is going to key you up even more if you're a nervous person. So just have your normal morning coffee if you are a coffee drinker. Don't just decide on the day, oh, I'm doing TV, I better drink coffee. Like That does happen. <laughs> People do this kind of like things that are way out of the usual for some reason because they've got this, this engagement. And, and look, sometimes you will have to because it'll be at stupid o'clock in the morning or stupid o'clock at night sure. and it's out of your normal routine. But if it's during the day, like try and treat your day the same way you would normally there'll be things that I like to call your daily meditation and that's not always sitting under a triangle like your Shirley from a country practice if you're old enough to know that reference it meditation is anything oh, no. meditation is yeah right got it do you remember that Sir, Sergeant Shirl and she'd be in a little triangle doing a meditation that's what I thought meditation was for a really long time but you know meditation can be for me it's, it's getting up and make sure I've had my cup of tea had a moment to maybe sit outside then I go and walk the dog you know it's little things that that bring you into the moment for the day try not to just throw them out the window because you've got a tv engagement try and do the things that make you feel your most authentic self your most calm your moment most relaxed and then you've got a lot more capability to cope with the inevitable nerves that are going to kick in when you get to the tv station well probably more accurately the minute you sit there and you hear the producers say okay 30 seconds that's when it really goes bananas I'm just going to call that little segment hashtag be calms by calms. Um, that yeah. was gold. That was really gold. And you, you covered around seven different little tips there that you can do to keep the car, keep calm and to keep the nerves yeah. at bay. And the littlest of things can be as simple as what you're wearing, um, how much hydration. Yeah. My biggest one, and I love that you, you, you broached on it and you really did cover it, keep to a normal working day. Because the more you think about it, the more you overthink about it, then that's when the nerve system starts to kick in and you start to you know, question your uh, going on to do that media engagement because it, it's, it's a moment there that if you're overthinking it, you are the expert, you're the commentator, you're the person that the media wants to yeah. speak to, get in and do it. And that's the best, best advice it's I can give to, on that front. Isn't it? Avoid the overthink because that is going to hold you up. It's going to get in the way of you showing up as your most confident self. And now this is this is not. I don't want this to sound what I'm about to say like I'm saying fake it, right? But there is a thing called method acting that um, yes. Brando was a big fan of method acting, even yep. though he couldn't remember lines. He was a very good method actor, right? <laughs> so Brando would put himself into scenarios in order to play the scene, right? So he'd think, okay, if I uh, what's a godfather? 
grandfather thing. If I had to threaten God. the life of my daughter's husband, how would I actually feel? doing that right he would he would actually take himself and it wouldn't have to be the exact same scenario he could take himself to a time in his life when he felt the same emotion and he'd try and draw on that and call that out you can do that as an expert right if you know that you are the master of meetings you love meetings. You're a wonderful commanding presence when you've got 60 staff in a room and you lead them through and you inspire them to greatness. If you know you're killer in that environment, then you bring that same mindset to yourself before you start speaking on camera. And this is any on-camera speaking engagement, but perfect when you're on TV, right? Bring that energy. We're coming to yes. you because you are the authority on the thing you're there to talk about. So don't bring a, oh, I, I'm, I, there are so many other people who could be doing this better than me energy. Don't bring a, I've never done any TV. Oh, I hope I don't make a mistake energy. Bring a, hey, I'm the expert here. I was about to swear, but think about it that way, right? I'm the effing expert. They called me, they called me for a reason. I'm going to bring that energy let me make you an offer you cannot refuse oh that's a terrible <laughs> terrible 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 example of didn't mind it oh it good work well done comes we've run out of time on this one this is a rip-up well done you because i think this gives people a bit of an insight into the broadcast to the television uh nervous I think of all the experts and commentators that I've worked with in the time uh, that Media Stable has been around, I think that the most nerve-wracking and the one that we will always get asked for advice on is the cross, the television cross or the doorstop, yeah. uh, making sure that they get it right. And there's different conditions, and I highly recommend that you, you seek some media training out on this because it's exactly what you say, Carms, practice makes perfect. Hey, before we go... Uh, we are catching up next week. We're going to be in Melbourne and Sydney for Meet the Media. I'm very excited to see you there. Um, it's going to be a great little event. Anything you're looking forward to out of the Melbourne and Sydney Meet the Medias? Yeah, great question. I loved the roadshow last year and that's why I'm doing it again. And I know there are several experts from your stable who are doing that. And I believe a few people even I've worked with over the last few years in a media training capacity who are interested in coming along. It's a good opportunity, isn't it, to, to check in on Melbourne and then go up to Sydney. You can really get a sense of how different those two cities are. If you're like me and you're a west coast dweller I have worked over there but but when you you come from Perth it's really hard to appreciate how Sydney and Melbourne are so different how the media cycle is very different in each city and once you hear from producers say of like the the 3AW breakfast show and then compare that to the producers of 2GB's Chris, uh, breakfast show you just get a different sense don't you for, for what's required yeah. so that I think is a very important part of it you've got some good digital publications from memory coming along this year nick i'm looking forward to those if you like to yep. get an op-ed or a story piece out they are the place to go aren't they oh spot on uh, absolutely and i think particularly in the print form um the ability to make a connection with a journalist with an editor on that front is critical the one thing and i've, I've been running these now for eight years and uh, the one thing i'm really looking forward to particularly this year um, is the connection with a lot of brand new producers that I haven't actually met face to face. I've had email connection relationship, phone relationships there with them. Um, we've even done podcasts with them, but we haven't actually met face to face. And when you get to do that, particularly as an expert, a business owner, or someone that is looking to influence or engage the media, it just makes for a fantastic relationship. And you will 
have such better chances and odds of getting breakthrough than someone who is just literally trying to try everyone, punching out a press release to everyone yeah. and not necessarily getting there. And I think it's a it's critical that you do make relationships. You've got to get out from behind the desk and you've got to meet the very people that you're looking to engage with. Yeah, and try and remember some of that TV interview energy. You know, it, it can be daunting to go and talk to some of these people. You will get the chance to pitch to these people, right? These are working members of the media, but you're getting a really good free run. And I said to a client only today who will be at Meet the Media, try and adjust your connection to the outcome of that pitching section. If you go in there thinking, I want to get on the project tomorrow night, you're going to invest a little bit too much in each and every pitch and the nerves yeah. might get the better of you. And the and the the concern around crafting the right message might get the better of you. And you might miss a learning opportunity. If you can just yes. put something, because if you can change your connection to the outcome into, I'm going to learn how to do killer pitches today. And how many people I've met who tell me they struggle with the pitch, I think is, you know, huge. The list is just endless. You're going to get, what, 10 opportunities to pitch to people from leading media in this country. They're the decision makers. They're not even not even like, it's often the TV presenters and stuff, they're not the real decision makers. It's the producers. They're the ones who are like, yeah, I'm going to put this one up. You know, so you, if you can learn what they want and to tailor a pitch to them, you've got a great outcome. You certainly do. And the number one thing from me is be yourself and also to what can you add to the conversation? Not mm. so much how do you insert me in? What can I add to the conversation? Hey, great chat, Carms. If people want to get in contact with you for some fine broadcasting media training, how do they do it? Well, the best way would be to head to my website, which is carmenbraidwood.com.au and it's just had a beautiful zhuzh. So please go and look at it and tell me what you think of the zhuzh. I have seen it. I jumped on last night. It looks fantastic. Well done. Oh, right answer, Nick. Brilliant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, well thank you, every website. Some people don't know how to spell my name. <laughs> Correct. I'll do that. Well, they'll be in the show notes. Thank you very much for everyone for listening and I hope that when you get your TV opportunity, that this has helped you in a little bit. And if you haven't listened to uh, Emily Morgan on how to write a good op-ed, go back and listen to last week's episode. It's getting rave reviews. I'm not kidding you. I've got seven emails here in front of me with people saying how wonderful that is. Do you know how many we've had total since we've been doing this, Carmen? Uh, Seven? Nope, three. (laughs) Well done. All right. Thank you for listening. And we look forward to having your company and uh, when we speak to another media or another expert next week. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.